Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Well, uh, this morning... This morning we're going to get into the Word of God. Who loves the Word? You know, the Word the word is a lamp to your feet and it's a light to your path. Amen? Heaven and earth are going to pass away. But Jesus said, my Word will stand forever. God's Word is eternal. God's Word is powerful. God's Word is for you this morning and God's Word is for me. And I've been preaching on a series where God spoke to me in Christmas and I've just been, I've just had the, I've just had it uh, percolating on the stove. And uh, four weeks ago, I started a series. Uh, and in that series, we looked at uh, this amazing passage of Scripture where we saw John the Baptist who came to prepare a way for Jesus Christ. His way was to prepare the crooked places and make them straight. And his, his ministry was to reveal Jesus to the world. But you know what it says in First John? It said that John the Baptist did not know the Messiah personally, but his ministry was that he had to come first in order that Christ would be revealed to the world. And right there and then I saw something by the revelation of the Spirit that is, that is the same for every life that's here today. And that's simply this truth, that there are certain sequences that God has arranged for your life and things have to happen before something else can take place. A series of events that God has pre-planned, that He has pre-arranged. You know, my Bible tells me before you were born, God knew you. How could that be? Before you were even born, God knew you. Because He's predestined you. He knows your life from the end to the beginning. And He has things planned within your life. And this whole series is all about how do we discover these sequences of divine events that God has uh, planned for us. You know, the prophecy about John's ministry started back in 800 BC. And he came at the, he was born at the same time as Christ. So down the track of time, God prophesied through Isaiah and said that this man would be born and he would be bringing the revelation of the Messiah to the world. Fast track, 800 years later, John the Baptist is born six months before Christ. And God raises him up, sends him into the ministry. How would you like that for a ministry calling? Into the desert, he's sent with a camel suit and locusts and insects for his diet. And he took that ministry because he knew that if he didn't take that role, then Jesus couldn't be revealed to the world. I put to you today, my brothers and sisters, that there are things that God has planned for your life. He's waiting to unfold and he's looking for your cooperation today. So a series of domino effects can take place in your life where God can reveal Christ to you personally and then use you to reveal him to the world. That's what we're talking about today, unlocking divine sequences of God's hand upon your life. Jeremiah the prophet said this to the children of Israel, I know the plans that I have for you, plans to give you a future and a hope, plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to prosper you. I want to tell you something today. If your life has been harmed 
I want to tell you something today. If you have found that you, your life has been harmed spiritually, socially, if your life has been harmed through, through addictions, through issues that have taken place where you may have been a victim of circumstances, I want to tell you God is not the author of that. I want you to know that because God is a good God and He cannot be the author of evil or tempted by evil. So anything that you've had handed down to you that's harmed you hasn't come from God. He's a redeemer. He's out to redeem your life, turn your life around. He's out to put your life on a straight path out of all those crooked bends in the road that you may have been walking. And God's plan for you is a plan for a future and for a hope. You know, the devil is a liar. The devil is a thief. You know, if you believe in Jesus today, I want to tell you, you've got to believe in a devil because they had a conversation one day. And the devil is just as real as Jesus Christ is real today. And his plan for your life is destruction. It's a plan to harm you. It's a plan to rob you. It's a plan to take away from your life. That's his agenda. There is not one ounce of goodness in Satan who would want anything good for your life. His whole life is to plan your downfall and to bring you down. But I want to tell you, he's not all powerful. Jesus Christ, who rose again from the dead on the third day, holds all power. He is the omnipotent one. He is the all-powerful one. He is the all-knowing one. And you know what that means for your life? That means that your life is never beyond the reach of the hand of God. That means that no matter where you are in your life today, I want to tell you something, that you're within the arms, outstretched reach of the Lord God of Israel. He can pull you in. He can turn your life around. He can change you today because that's what He does best. We have a whole room of people here today that have discovered that Jesus is a life-changing God. Amen. Praise God. So today, we want to carry on, you know, can I ask you a question today? Have you ever been in a relationship with somebody else where there has been mistrust? Where there has been perhaps a suspicion? Or maybe even secrecy? Where you're in a relationship where you expect transparency, but things have been hidden from you. Have you ever been in a relationship like that? In my first three years of marriage, I married this woman that I didn't know. We married by faith. We saw each other three times before we got married. You know, not just, you know, for 10 minutes. You know, it was a little bit longer than that, you know. Um, but we, you know, we thought we knew each other because we, we, we were, does any, do the young ones want to understand this word? This will be a new word for your vocabulary. We were pen friends. No internet, no texting. We actually used to send our thoughts by mail. Isn't that amazing? We used to write things called letters. Snail mail. I mean, snail mail has become such a thing now that young people, if they get something in the letterbox, and it's not a bill, if they get something in the letterbox and somebody's actually written them something, it's like, this is a big day in my life. I just received a letter from somebody. Awesome. And so we got married... And uh, we both loved God. We both were full on for the Lord. But you know what? It wasn't long before long before our relationship started breaking down, before our communication went wonky, before we were becoming suspicious of one another because of some of the things that we brought into the relationship. 
And when you have those ingredients in a relationship, it is a recipe for breakup. And I want to talk to you today about unlocking divine sequences over your life that's going to require some secret source from heaven that will give you the ability to navigate the roller coasters of your life, the ups and downs, the ins and outs, the corners and bends that we all go through that will help you navigate your way in such a way that God's perfect plan can unfold for your life. Wouldn't you like that for your life this morning? It's something that we all yearn and long for. And we saw that John the Baptist had a relationship with God. We saw that God had spoken to him and prophesied to him and, and had said, when you, see, when you see the Holy Spirit descending on the one, you'll know that he's the Messiah. John had such a relationship with God that God was able to reveal to him intimate truths about the future. And as a result of that, he was able to position his life in such a way, position his life, that God could carry out his plans and purposes. There's a lot in alignment. When you go to the mall after this and you go to the food court after this, unless you line yourself up with those double glass doors, they aren't going to open for you. If you try and attack those doors from a side angle and it's not opening for you, you know why it's not opening for you? Because you're not aligned. And it's the same thing in life. If you want to walk through the doors that God has for you, you need to be aligned with Him in such a way that doors will open for your life. Can I hear an amen this morning? He heard God's voice and he was obedient to that plan and it found him wearing a camel suit, eating locusts in the desert. But God used him powerfully. Historians believe that over 100,000 people walked out of the safety of the city to hear John the Baptist preach a message of repentance to prepare their hearts to receive God within their lives. And so I want to tackle the first thing this morning. I want to tackle our relationship with God. Last week I talked about faith, the ingredients of faith within our life. That faith has clothes. And those clothes are the words we speak. That you can't have genuine faith unless your words are pronouncing what God has spoken to you. Amen? And our words have incredible power over our lives. I talked to you that faith has a visual picture of what needs to shift. That God's a God of language and He speaks in visions and pictures. And as He drops something in your heart, He only needs to give you one vision, one picture about something, and suddenly you've got faith to believe God to see that thing unfold today. Here's the definition of relationship. The way in which two or more people or things are connected or the state of being connected. So why is this word so key to understanding divine sequences and unlocking God's unique plan over our life? I want to tell you why it's so key, because the way we connect or don't connect with God is going to have a huge bearing on your life. The state of our relationship with God is going to have a huge bearing on our life today. Have you ever wondered why there's such bizarre stories in the Bible? Stories of incredible faith, of ordinary human beings. You know, the Bible says that Elijah went to the highest ruler of the land 
to King Ahab and he said, it's not going to rain in this country unless I tell it to. That's power. That's power. Now, I think, I think in the first couple of weeks, King Ahab was mocking him, laughing at him. Oh, who do you think you are? I think you can control the weather. You know, but two months, three months down the track, six months down the track, one year down the track, and suddenly he sent out all of his spies. He sent out the Mossad, the secret intelligence service, to go and find Elijah because suddenly they're in a drought. There's no rain. There's nothing happening. How bizarre is it to think that one man can control the weather over a nation? Come on. Let's look at Scripture in the light of putting yourselves in the shoes of those people who are in the story. That's incredible power with God. I think of the, we call them the Hall of Famers. Someone who's in the Hall of Fame is somebody who's, who's made it into that place where everybody respects what they did with their life. And Hebrews 11 talks about people who were moved by faith and did incredible things as God led them by His Spirit. I think of Abraham. Hebrews 11 verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Could you do that today if God spoke to you and said, I want you to sell your house, I want you to pack everything up, and I want you to leave. And you say, well, where are you going? Uh, I'll let you know once you get moving. That requires incredible faith and trust in a relationship, doesn't it? To be able to do that. If we go further down in Hebrews 11, as we look at Moses, by faith, verse 29, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. How ridiculous is this story where one man is told to get a piece of wood he's got a whole army of Egyptians and chariots and soldiers that are right on his tail. The children of Israel have been corralled into a cul-de-sac. They've gone right on the edge of the Red Sea. There's only ocean in front of them. There's Pharaoh's army behind them. And God says, do you trust me, Moses? Moses says, well, I think I do. And he says, well, I want you to take that piece of wood and I want you to hold it over the ocean. And when you hold it over the ocean, I'm going to split the ocean and you're going to walk through on dry land. Oh, that sounds good, God. Just take a piece of wood, hold it up over the ocean, and the ocean splits, the Red Sea parts. We all go through, and then you drown the whole army of Egyptians in the Red Sea. There's got to be something more to this faith that we're not understanding that causes people to do such ridiculous things at the voice of God, and yet God comes through, and we see their stories written in the Bible for us to understand. I think of Joshua in Hebrews 11 verse 30, the next verse. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Can you imagine this? These are warriors. These are trained soldiers. Our boys, we, we're, we've got a new battle plan. New strategy, we're going to skip around. We're going to skip around the city for six days. <laughs> <laughs> Once a day, we're going to go around the city, and then on the seventh day, I want all the musos to join us. 
All you musos, grab your trumpets. And what we're going to do on the seventh day is we're going to go around seven times, but this is what we're going to do. We're going to blow those trumpets and we're going to shout and the walls are going to fall down. Okay, God. How are they going to fall down? Just trust me. What no other army had ever been able to do to penetrate the mighty city of Jericho with these 10-foot thick walls that hid the whole city from her enemies, God says, boys, I want you to shout. I want you to play your trumpets. And they're all going to fall down and you're going to walk over the top of all the rubble and you're going to get the city. Hmm. So, what can cause a commander of an army, a military strategist, to deploy such a radical plan and get his soldiers to actually believe this was the voice of the Lord for starters. And then for them to carry out the plan and just as God said it would happen, it took place. Have you ever thought about these things? I put myself in their shoes and I'm thinking, how can they have such incredible faith that seeing an unfolding of divine sequences of events where the city that's stopping them from entering the promised land is absolutely destroyed by men shouting at the top of their lungs and playing their musical instruments. I want to tell you today, and this is the premise of my message that I'm talking about today, the reason why these people had such incredible faith was because it was a faith that worked by love, not by head knowledge, not by mechanical formulas, not faith on faith, not hyper faith, having faith in faith. It's because they had a faith that was operating by the fact that they trusted the one that gave them the instructions. They knew he had the very best intentions for their life. They knew that God loved them. And because they knew and had that rock solid in their spirit, when God said something weird and something strange, Abraham, take your one and only son Isaac, and I want you to take him on top of the mountain, and I want you to put the knife in, and I want you to sacrifice him to me. Come on, guys. Let's put ourselves in these guys' shoes. How can this possibly be? And yet now we revere them as the heroes of our faith. Do you know why? Because their faith was saturated with God's love. They trusted the one who asked them to do these things. And because of that, they were moved and motivated to step off the plank, to move out in faith and see these incredible miracles unfold within their life because their faith was clothed with love. Love for God, love from God, and love for people. That's true faith this morning. That's at work, and that's the kind of faith. I remember when God spoke to me, and he said, I want you to leave what you're doing. You've planted this church. You've got it up and running, and now I want you to start a new church. I want you to leave your salary. I want your wife to leave her salary with a $450,000 mortgage, and I want you to trust me with a handful of people that I'm going to supply your needs. Now, in the natural, it's crazy. But when you know that God has your best intentions in mind, when you know that He truly loves you, when you know that He has your highest good at His heart, 
then you can rely and trust and you can bank on what God has said is true and He will come through with what He's told you that He's going to do. Is anybody with me this morning on this one here? So this is what Paul said, and this is the great hero of the faith. I have such admiration for the Apostle Paul as I've been studying his life over the last two months. Listen to this. This is where my text comes from today. Galatians 5 verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision avails anything. What he's saying is this. It's not the badge you wear on your human flesh. It's not your pedigree. It's not whether you came from royalty or whether you came from a poor family down the road. He said, that's not what matters. He said, this is what matters. He said, it's faith working through. Faith working through. You know the original word? You all know it? Agape. What's the agape love of God? It is the unconditional love of the highest good for people where God only has your very best intentions in mind. And Paul is saying here, he said, your human pedigree doesn't mean anything. He said, what was going to really make a difference in your life is having faith and such a trust in God that it's linked together so strongly with you having a revelation of how much He loves you that when He asks you to do the weirdest of things, you can trust Him that He's going to come through for you. Wow. The agape love of God. Now remember the definition of a relationship. Listen to this. The way in which two or more people or things are connected or the state of being connected. So we can have various stages of relationship. You can have ugly relationships. They're characterized by mistrust, abuse, victimization. They're characterized by verbal harm, maybe even sometimes physical abuse. You have a relationship, but the state and the way that you're connected is not a healthy one. That's just ugly. And then you have average relationships. What's an average relationship? Well, it's good sometimes, it's bad some other times. It's just average. I hate average. Who hates average? Average is a terrible word. God's average is not in the Lord's vocabulary, I believe. And then we can have excellent or great relationships. Relationships that will be defined by one thing. Each person in the relationship has the highest good at heart for the other person. There is true love that is present in that relationship. And when that's present in the relationship, the way you are connected is unbreakable. When there is true love that is inside any relationship, that relationship will be strong and it will withstand every single storm, every fiery dart that's thrown against it. That relationship will stand the test because the glue that's holding it together is love of the highest value. The unconditional, perfect love of God that God has available for us. So therefore, the state of our relationship can be defined by how much love is present in the relationship. Some of you are looking at me and I'm seeing it. Pastor James, I'd love to be in that place where I have those kinds of relationships. Well, I want to tell you something. You can only do what you can do. It's up to the other person what they, they, they can do. 
And you know, when you have true agape love present in your relationship, God holds you to account in such a way that you know there's no other way that you can walk through it except offer your very best to that other person. What they do with that is going to be entirely up to them. Amen? But God has the ability to help you to do it. God has the ability to help you go the second mile, the third mile, the fourth mile in that situation. Now, he doesn't expect anybody here in this room to be a, 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 a doormat and to lay your life down for abuse. That's not what I'm talking about because that's not love. Allowing yourself to become a punching bag, that's not love. Amen? You understand what I'm saying today. But I'm talking about the strength of every human relationship can be defined by how much love is present in that relationship. And you see, this is what Paul is saying. He's saying that's how faith works. He's saying when you understand my people, when you truly understand that the faith that I'm giving to you is built on your understanding and your revelation of my love, in your life, I can ask you to do some incredibly ridiculous things. And because you trust me and you know that I have the highest good for you, you can step out in great faith and see incredible miracles take place around about your lives this morning. If you met a stranger today who came up to you in the mall, you've never seen them before, you've never met them before, and they walk up to you like some of those mall, strip mall salespeople do with the best plan that they've got for your life. And this stranger walks up to you and he says, Hi, this is your lucky day. I have an envelope of cash that is so thick I've had to put three rubber bands around it and the $100 notes and it's waiting for you to pick, be picked up at such and such an address. All you have to do is go now and turn up. Some of you are thinking, yeah, man, I'm going. <laughs> I'm, I'm going. Yeah, I'm going. I'll take the cash any day. Doesn't matter if I'm going to get mugged. Doesn't matter if I'm, I'm going to get kidnapped. Doesn't matter. I'm after the cash. But I want to tell you, there's probably 5% of you. The other 95% of you would never do that. Why is that? Because you don't know who this person is. This person is a stranger to you. This person, you don't even, you've never met this person before. You don't know their character. You don't know what they've got planned for your life. They could very well have their gang waiting for you as you walk down that drive to kidnap you, take you for everything, steal your identity, and off you go. You just don't know. And the point is this. The point is this, friends, we often won't do things until we are truly satisfied about the reliability of the one who's asking us to do something. And I want to tell you today, you can have absolute 110% faith in Jesus Christ because God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he not spoken it? Shall he not make it good? He is 100% trustworthy. He cannot lie. He won't steal from you. He won't rob from you. 
you. His plans for you are plans to prosper you and not to harm you. He only has great plans in store for your life. He has your very best in His mind for your life. So therefore, if you understand how trustworthy He is, if you understand how reliable He is, you can have great faith that will move mountains because you know the one who's asked you to do this. And because He's completely reliable, you will see it come to pass in the name of Jesus Christ. Whew. The Amplified says this, it's faith that's activated and energized and expressed working through love. Faith that's activated and energized by love. Wow. You know, if the living God is asking you to do something that's quite out there, and you've taken counsel, and the multitude of counselors, there is safety. It's some of the massive steps of faith that I've taken within my walk with Jesus. As I've taken them, I've confided in people that I trust, human people. And I've said, I felt the Lord has said this to me. What do you think about that? You know, not because I'm not trusting God, but because I want to make sure that I'm not going out on my limb and not God's limb. So you can never gauge it by what he's asking you to do. Because as we've already seen in the Bible, God has asked some ridiculous things of human beings in the past. So it's faith that's energized and activated by love today. 1 John 4.8, the great apostle. This is the apostle of love. This is the apostle on whom leant on the breast of Jesus at the Last Supper. This is John, the revelator. The Apostle John, this is the one in whom, as Jesus was on the cross, he looks down and he says, Mother, look at your son. Son, look at your mother. I want you to look after my mum, Mary, from this day forward. This is the man who understood what love is. If you read the Gospel of John and the Epistles of John and the Revelation of uh, Christ, you will discover that this man's life is saturated by a revelation of love. And this is what he simply said. Pure definition of who God is. He who does not love does not know God. Wow. He who does not love does not know God. I want to tell you, some of us are short in the area of love. Do you know why? Because we don't know God. When we know Him, His love will saturate our lives. And then He finishes this revelation sentence and He says, God is love. If you want to know who God is, He is love. He has your very, very best in mind in every area of your life. And I can, I can hear your thoughts hitting me right now. Okay, Pastor James, why did this happen? Why did that happen within my life? We're getting there. Are you with me on the journey today? I want to go into the greatest man I, I, I've seen in Scripture, apart from Jesus himself, the great apostle Paul. And we're going to look at how Paul handled this faith within his life. And we're going to understand today that there is something that we need to get to, to be working through this kind of love that's going to unlock divine sequences within our life. In Acts chapter 9, verse 15, Paul has been on the road with his, with his cronies, with his gang, because that's what they were. They were a gang that went around arresting Christians. And he's just been given a letter by the, by the head office to head up because they just found out that up in Antioch that there's a whole lot of Christians that are disturbing the peace. 
I want you to go up there and I've, here's a letter of authorization. I want you to arrest every Christian you can find. He's already killed Stephen, one of the seven. He's already killed, they've stoned Stephen, they've put him to death. And now he's on another murderous rampage, persecuting Christians who believe in Jesus. And as he's traveling between Jerusalem and Damascus, suddenly a blinding light hits them all. And they fall to the ground. And none of the rest of them heard the voice from heaven apart from the man called Saul. And in this moment of divine encounter, he's so stunned and he's so astounded by what's taken place that he says, who are you? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. I want you to head, carry on your journey. You'll be led by the hand because you're going to be blinded. You won't be able to see with your physical eyes. And I want you to wait for what's the next step. He gets, he has to be led by the hand. He gets to Damascus and then God sends a prophet to him. And do you know what his first prophecy is? Let's have a look at it. His first prophecy. Verse 15, the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles. Speaking of this man, Saul, he's going to bear my name before non-Jewish people. He's going to take my testimony to kings of nations. This all came to pass. Listen to this. And to the children of Israel, your own people. And then he says this, For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, I want, I, I want to put to you today what I believe is a solid argument as to why many of our faith is stunted and why we don't trust God at times when we need to. And the argument is this, is that many of us have been sold a wrong gospel. Many of us have had a gospel of comfort, a gospel of a sugar daddy that will give you everything you want, whenever you want it, a life of ease. And yet Paul's first prophecy is that you will suffer many things for my name's sake. Here's the problem, church. The reason why many of our faith is stunted is because we don't have a theology of suffering. We think if we're suffering, then God doesn't really love us anymore. And if God doesn't really love us, then we can't operate in faith because faith works through love. Are you with me, church? Yeah. You see, this is what we've got to understand. And I want to argue the case for you all this morning. Is the world that the Apostle Paul was being sent in wasn't God's original design. We've got to understand this. His original design was incredible. Read Genesis 1, 2, and 3. It was amazing. He had his own uh, inbuilt water irrigation system for all the tree fruit trees and all the herbs, all the plants. There was everything. It was paradise. Eden was a place of paradise. Mist came up during the night and watered all the plants. He could choose anything he wanted in that garden. It was a place of paradise, but there was one thing he couldn't have. And it's the one thing him and the missus decided that they would try out. <sighs> With fatal consequences. And from the moment they took that first bite of the forbidden fruit in the garden, 
The world that God originally designed no longer was the same world. Very soon after, one of their own children kills one of their siblings. Murder entered the human race. Why? Because sin had entered the human heart. And from that day forward, the beautiful, incredible, amazing world, which we still see. If you see David Attenborough's um, uh, documentaries, you will be stunned by the incredible depth that God has put into creation. You will be stunned by seeing God's fingerprints all over everything that we see around about us. Amen? But the world that he was sending the Apostle Paul to preach and tell people about God's love was not the same world of Genesis chapter 1. The world had been polluted by sin. The world had been polluted by anger, envy, hate, jealousy. The world was a different world. And what God is saying to you, yes, I love you. I love you, Paul, but I want you to know right from day one, the people that I'm sending you to tell about my love, they're going to try and kill you. You're going to suffer beatings. You're going to suffer hardship. The Bible says sleeplessness often. Going without food often. Well, this is not the high roller apostle of being chauffeur driven around the place with his millions of dollars. No, this is the real gospel. Come on, this is the real gospel. Come on, this is the gospel of truth that we're talking about here this morning. This is the real deal. And he says, Paul, I want you to understand how much I love them. I need a person. I need a person who's going to trust me in the midst of terrifying nights being shackled in prison with people who are murderers. I'm going to put you into places where you're going to see whole mobs rioting and grabbing a hold of you, wanting to tear you from limb to limb. In fact, I'm going to send you into an environment where people are going to be stirred up with such hate against you that they're going to attempt to kill you, which they did. They stoned him and everybody, the Scripture says, thought he was dead. They left him outside the city on the side of the road and everybody, if you read the Scriptures, believed that he was a dead man. Well, when you got Jesus on your side, dead men can walk. And you know what happened? All of his friends, the Word says the disciples gathered around him in a circle and we don't know what happened in there, but the supernatural resurrection power of God came upon Paul's body. Why? Because he knew that if people could kill him, God could resurrect him. He trusted him so much that even in death, he could receive life. You see, it's the strength of our faith is, is what you understand about God's love for you. Paul's, love, Paul's mind was so saturated with God's love that he knew even though he was going to suffer hardship and persecution, he could still trust God. Even later on in his ministry, a guy gets his belt called Agabus. What a cool name, Agabus. He's a prophet. He grabs his belt and he says, the man that owns this belt will be bound and he will be taken and put into prison. And everybody tried to stop Paul from going to Jerusalem because the prophecy had been prophesied this would happen in Jerusalem. You know what Paul says? He says, I don't care. He says, he says I'm willing to, if, if I go to Jerusalem and they capture me, I'm willing to die for Jesus. <coughs> Having a faith check this morning? Two Timothy three twelve. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. 
You know, Paul knew that he was called to a life of suffering, but love compelled him forward because he knew the highest good had been mapped out for his life. And he knew that God was sending him into a hostile world, a world that was violent, a world that was filled with hate. And the Holy Spirit was sending him into this world, pre-warning him. Paul, you know I love you. Paul, you know I've got the highest good for you, but I need a person I can trust to tell them about my son. I need a person who's willing not to be a wimp. I need a person that's actually got some spiritual heart and some spiritual muscle because I know I can send you into the most hostile of environments and I know you're going to be faithful with the gospel. And you know what happened every time Paul went in? He was surrounded by enemies. Every time they tried to grab him, they tried to chuck him in jail, they tried to kill him. But you can't kill a weed. He was, he was, he was so filled with the power of God, he was unkillable as it was. And, uh, and God used this man so incredibly that it, it, during the course of his life, many times he suffered all these things, and yet he came through it all. He was able to pray for the sick. He was able to raise people from the dead. He was able to lay handkerchiefs that he had prayed for on people, and they were instantly healed. Lord, look, friends, even his shadow at times touched people, and they were miraculously healed. Why? Because he had faith that was saturated with God's love. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. I want to skip down as I finish this message this morning. And I want to give you an analogy this morning that may be helpful for you to take the next step forward to walk in this kind of faith that's saturated with God's love. If we can move forward to the love flowing through us, here we have an instrument that is able to dispense the pure oil of God's love. And this is what I put to you, friends, today. Why sometimes you've reached only so far and you haven't been able to break through to the next level with your trust and faith in God is because at best you'll see this sort of thing happen where I want you to imagine your life like a pipe. A pipe that is free of obstruction that the oil of God's Spirit can flow through. Where that pipe has all the obstructions and the a little bit like a human artery that has no cholesterol. The blood is able to freely pump around the circulation system of your body because there's no obstruction in your veins or your arteries. I'm sure you understand where I'm coming from. Now here's what the Lord showed me. Friends, the reason why some of us can't move and step out in faith is because our pipe is obstructed by issues of the past that have affected our ability to understand and have a revelation that God truly is love. Things have gone down in our life. We've been hurt. We've been harmed. We've been victimized. We may have suffered abuse. And sometimes, and somehow, the, f the figure of a Father God who absolutely loves us when the Father that we grew up with was the complete opposite. Our pipe is blocked. Our pipe is obstructed. We can't actually imagine that God is the person that He said He is. And so we're carrying all this high cholesterol 
through the arteries of our life and God can't pump through that pure love into our lives and cause us to hold on with faith because every time we go to move, something from the past comes up on our radar screen. Something starts to block us spiritually. And the oil of God's love can't flow anymore. And so our faith is restricted because we haven't truly had a revelation and a healing of our past hurts. And so we can only go so far. And when God asks you to do something a little bit bigger, we can't seem to trust Him because we've got issues of mistrust. Healing may be needed this morning. If you find yourself... You know, when somebody punches you or maybe something's fallen on you, and consequently, what's one of the first things that will show in your body? A bruise. Do you know what happens when a bruise isn't healed? Try touching it. When your bruises are touched and when your bruises are pressed, immediately the pain is going to speak to you louder than anything else. And suddenly all you can think about is your bruise. I suggest this morning, brothers and sisters, we've got some bruises that need to be healed. Because when our bruises are healed and we see God for who he truly is, a God of perfect love that only has the highest good for your life, then suddenly your willingness to trust him at a word of faith at a vision, a picture, or a dream that's going to unlock divine sequences within your life is going to be just like that. I know when Carl and Jenny, were, they came to me and they said, we think, we're thinking of leaving Auckland. And I said, well, if it's God, you'll see, you'll see these steps of divine sequences just unfold. Suddenly she goes for a job interview. Straight away she gets a job. You know, once she got a job, they weren't even offering her. They made a job up for her to get. Divine sequences. You want more hours? We'll find more hours because we want you. Hallelujah. You see how it all works? When we're prepared to actually go beyond the realm of our own personal comfort or discomfort, as it may be. You know, we've all got things in our lives. We can't just forget the things that have happened to us in our lives. If you've been a victim of abuse, you can't just forget about that. But have you been healed? If you've been healed, it will be a memory without any sting attached. Because the Holy Spirit has brought perfect love into your life this morning. Could we stand together, my brothers and sisters?